0: So it's good to be here today. Hope you guys are glad to be in church today. It's going to be an awesome day. We get to start a a brand new sermon series called Connect, Finding True Community. And uh, I wanted to just start off by saying it is time for our life groups to get geared back up. And if you're new to Cornerstone, um, our life groups are really important to us. Um, It's really where we get to meet people. It's where we get to connect. It's where we get to find true community. Um, And it it's great coming to Sunday morning. It's it's encouraging. We got good coffee. You'll hear from the Word. We've got a good time of worship and celebration. But there's something about just meeting together during the week to, to open up the Word, to pray, to laugh, to talk, to share, to encourage each other. And that's really what our life groups are about. I wanted to share, uh, we've got 10 different life groups starting up over the next really month. Um, so Um, Almost every night of the week, some here at the church, some in homes. Uh, I just wanted to read through the ten different ones to see if any of these kind of catch your interest, right? Um, And so we have a Sunday night study on spiritual warfare that's going to be meeting at Lou and Cynthia's house. And Lou and Cynthia, y'all can kind of raise your hand back there. We've got a Monday night group at the Waller's house on uh, the book by Louis Giglio, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. Um, we've got a Monday night study here at the church on walking with Jesus, reflections kind of from the Holy Land, and Jennifer and I will be leading that. We've got a ladies' Tuesday night book study um, that's going to be going through the Sermon on the Mount. Um, we've got a Tuesday night adult Bible study that meets up here in the church, um, in, the, in the cafe on Tuesday nights. We've got a Wednesday night study at the Hinks house. Can y'all raise your hand? You're over the, yep, back there somewhere. I knew you were back there somewhere. Um, and uh, with uh, the Hinks and the Pinckneys helping lead that together on the book, Living Life Backwards. Uh, we've got a Wednesday night men's study group here at the church. We've got a ladies Thursday morning study on the book, uh, Find Your People by Jenny Allen. We've got a Friday morning men's group here at the church, and we've got a Friday night gospel-centered recovery meeting here at the church. So 10 different groups. Um, man, uh, lots, of, lots of ways you can get involved. And out of all of those, I know there's at least one of those that fits your schedule and is interesting to you. So here's how you sign up. You can go online to our website. You can download the Church Center app, uh, do that. If you're not technology savvy at all, that's all right. Just take out one of those communication cards in the seat back in front of you um, and just write, hey, I want to sign up for a life group and try to get, give us an idea of which one you're interested in, um, and we'll contact you and get you, get you hooked up with that group. So uh, they, some start next week, um, uh, uh, not this week, but the following after Labor Day. Uh, some start uh, a few weeks after that. Um, but they're all starting within the next month. So, um, and some meet every week, some meet every other week. So different meeting schedules too. But I just wanted to share a little bit about that with you today. So we are in this brand new sermon series. And um, friendships are important. Uh, we see how connected people were in the early church. As you, as you read through the book of Acts, it's interesting to see that they did more than just meet at the synagogue on the Lord's Day. They, they met in homes every day of the week. They met daily. And, and it's interesting, sometimes we want the explosive growth of the early church. It says that, you know, the, those that were being saved were added to their number daily. And we want that, but we don't go back and realize what it took to get to that place, Right. It took that they were doing life together. It took that they were meeting daily in homes for meals and having fellowship and sharing the Word together. And they had this uh, tight-knit community. Uh, and, and not only that, they were being persecuted. Uh, they were being hunted down as they were meeting. So this was, this was a, a unique time in the church. And yet today, we've kind of replaced that with let's go to church um, and then during the week, we're involved with our jobs and our kids, and we stay so busy that we don't really have time to get involved with, with others' life. And it, today, it seems like we're more divided and isolated than ever. Uh, so here's what we're going to focus on these next four weeks. Uh, we're going to see why friendship is important. We're going to see what the Bible says about it. We're going to look at the different attitudes that we need to have towards connecting with others. We're going to look at how we can expand our circles to develop friends, and we're going to talk about how hard it is to keep friends. And all of this stuff is kind of what we're going to be spending the next four weeks on. And, and I know just in starting out, some of you are already excited. You're oh man, I'm, I love friends. I love people. I can't wait. Right? Is that some of y'all? And then some of y'all are, are more like me, like, I've got to connect with other people. You mean I've got to talk to people? I've got to act like I enjoy it? Let's just be honest, right? Isn't that sometimes how some of us view, like, it's just another obligation. It's another expectation. I like being by myself. Can anybody relate? Okay. So we've got introverts. We've got extroverts. Here's what I want you to know. This series is for all of us. Um, We need deep, satisfying relationships in our life. And we may not realize it, but um, we need it, and it's so important. Um, Here's how most people live in today's world, right? You make a friend, uh, you do stuff together, you get close, then something happens that causes you to grow apart. Maybe it's a different stage of life. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe someone gets their feelings hurt, and you start drifting apart. And you move on, and often that people are bitter, they're hurt, they uh, carry kind of resentment, and they hold a grudge, and uh, and, and they just kind of just act like nothing happened, and they move on, and, and and that's kind of a pattern you see over and over in so many lives today, and, and I want us to break that pattern. I, I want us to realize that hey, we can we can stay connected, and. and and we see this in churches too. it's not just individual relationships. you see this so often in the church today. Somebody gets upset, somebody gets their feelings hurt, so what do they do instead of dealing with it instead of working through the conflict instead of resolving it instead of talking it out, they bolt, they run, they ghost uh, and, and they're gone and, and they go somewhere else or we even see today it's kind of popular in our in our culture, this whole uh, I, I would call it kind of the deconstruction movement, the ex-evangelical. It's what they're calling, uh, kind of labeled themselves. It's like people who used to go to church but don't need the church now, and, and it's what they they would say. And, and and it and it bothers me because it shows right. It shows that uh, kind of a, a lack of understanding about what community really is and why we need it. And just because you've been hurt doesn't mean you give up on community. And so we want to talk about all of that uh, as we go through this series. In Genesis 2:18, uh, this is what the Lord said when He was creating man. He, he, he said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Now this was in the context of, uh, of you know, uh, creating Eve for Adam and, and that whole, uh, we see this, this start of mankind, but I would say, it is not good for us to be alone even today. It's not good for us to be isolated. It's not good for us to be disconnected. It's interesting. Um, uh, there's one, I, I, is anybody else like TED Talks? I, I'm a TED Talker. I like watching TED Talks. If you don't know what they are, they're short little speeches that you can watch. or on the internet and about all different topics. A lot of them are kind of science technology related, uh, but all sorts of topics. And one of the most famous ones was on addiction. I don't know if anybody's seen this one, and uh, I don't know that I agree with all the conclusions of the, 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 uh, the TED Talk, but I, uh, this part really stood out to a lot of people. And um, he said that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite, opposite of addiction is connection. Um, and he was talking about that's what's missing for most people who are struggling with Addiction. And he referenced the study they did on rats, and it was kind of interesting. They put a rat in a cage, and they gave them uh, two bottles to choose from. One had water. One had water laced with, I think it was cocaine. (laughs) Um, And so uh, the rats, when they had a choice between the water and the cocaine, guess what they did? They uh, hit the drug until they died. It was just every time. It was just like they couldn't resist. And so they thought, well, this is this kind of shows the problem of addiction. When you have a choice, you're going to choose what's bad. And they said, well, let's redo the experiment a little bit. And so they created what's called Rat Park. Um, and what it was was like a rat party house, okay? They created a rat uh, frat house um, and it gave them everything they could desire, all these different things they could play with and activities and put a whole bunch of rats together together. And it was interesting, because when they did that and then also put in the water and the drug-laced water, guess what happened? They didn't use the drug. Why? Because they were connected. They had things to do. And, and, and the whole point of that TED Talk was, maybe we viewed addiction wrong when we punish drug addicts, the drug addicts with uh, by isolating them and removing them from all connection, when that's, in fact what the, they really need. And I would say that's not just an addiction problem. It's a problem for all of us, right? When we get hurt, what do we do? We isolate. We pull back. We, we, we become self-reliant. We say, I don't need anybody else. I, I can handle this on my own. And so we've got to get to the place where we realize what the Lord said here. It is not good for man to be alone. And that leads me to my first point today. We really do. We have a connection problem in our culture today. We have, we've got a connection problem. This is is so prevalent. It's so widespread. Um, And and I would say it this way. Satan wants nothing more than to divide us and to isolate us and to pull us away from our support and our friends and our encouragement that we have there. Um, In Genesis 3, as you read what happens after uh, man and woman were created, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, and this is after... um, um, after they had sinned, after they had taken the, the fruit that they were not supposed to have, the, the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it says, the man and, and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. So here we see shame. Here we see uh, we see the, the running and hiding and the escaping our problems, and and as you keep reading in the story, we see excuses and rationalization, and and we see all the things that we still do today, and and Satan uses the same tactics to us today. Do you really believe what God said? Do you really need uh, other people around you. Do you really? Uh, you're better off by yourself and and we hear these lies we hear these untruths coming from satan and if we believe them if we take them in if we go with them then we think that that we don't need each other we don't need together as the church we don't need a, a small community we don't need friends we that's the problem satan loves dividing us um you realize how separated we are today We're separated because of generations, a lot of generations arguing back and forth, and one generation mad at another generation. We're we're separated politically more than ever before. We're we're separated racially, socioeconomically, uh, urban versus rural, right? Uh, East Coast versus West Coast, vaccinated versus unvaccinated, masked versus unmasked. and I could go on and on different ways that we're being separated, and Satan is just sitting back laughing. He's just, he's like, he's just standing back and saying, I love it because everyone is mad at each other. Everybody is on their own. And he knows that when we're isolated, when we're separated, that we're not going to be effective. And so one of the, the worst effects, I think, of the pandemic I've seen is people turning on each other and people starting to blame each other for their sickness, for the disease, for the problems, for Uh, everything and for job loss we can we can blame a lot of things but i'm telling you here's the the reality of the issue do you know where sickness and disease come from comes from sin it comes from the brokenness that happened when adam and eve sinned and so we can get mad and try to assign blame somewhere and yet satan's just again he's just laughing at us because he's behind all of this And we've got to realize that and and quit blaming each other and quit being separated and isolated. We need connection. We're on the same team. We need friends. We need each other. I read this. It says, friendship is vital. It's not simply a casual acquaintance, but a strong, deep connection between two individuals who are bound together in such a way that affects every aspect of their involvement in society. It's kind of the dictionary, the encyclopedia definition of friendship, right? That, that we're bound together in a way that affects everything about us. Proverbs 18, there's a lot about friends and Proverbs. in Proverbs. and Proverbs 18, 24 says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer, to, uh, closer than a brother. And, and so I would just say, do, do, you, do you have friends? Uh, it, it's, you know, do you really have friends that you can count on? Do you really have people there that you can call in the, in the middle of the night? Do you have somebody that you can put down as your emergency contact? Do you have that type of friend? You know, I think we've been, uh, in some ways, I think social media has contributed to this problem because we look online and we like, we've got, we've got a lot of friends. we've got, and, and, and I've told you before, but Jennifer always makes fun of me. She's like, she, you've got a whole lot of fake friends. That's what she keeps telling me. They're not real. And she's like, do you really know that person? I'm like, I, I know them from Facebook. I never met them before, right? It's not somebody I could call or I could count on, but it's Facebook tells me they're my friend. <laughs> that's how we we kind of go through life now it's those people yeah they're my friend well do you know their phone number do you know where they work? do you know their kids names do you know their birthday do you do you know stuff about them well kind of that's the, we we keep our friendships on the the, the surface level we, we don't let people close enough to keep to see our struggles I'm I'm reading a book now, and I was reading it this week by a guy named John Deloney, and uh, I ran across this quote. He said, here are some uncomfortable truths. We have virtually unlimited connectivity and access to everything and everyone. We also have unlimited access to entertainment on demand, food on demand, and a global supply of stuff ready to be delivered to our door. Never before in the history of the world have we been more interconnected at both the local and global level. Yet strangely, this unlimited easy access to everyone and everything has not made us happier or more well. Instead, we become dangerously lonely and angry, feeling constantly victimized and under attack. We no longer spend time together or discuss ideas. We click and post and lob sound bites at one another. We listen to idiotic influencers and ignore experts. Some experts sell out for financial gain. We overeat, overconsume, overavoid, and otherwise chase our tails. That's um. That's like um. Pretty direct right but isn't it the truth when we look at our world today we're we're escaping we're running away we're 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 listening to all this craziness from the world from all different directions and we're not letting the bible influence us and direct us and guide us and and so this is uh, we're still running we're still hiding we're still making excuses just like what happened in the garden so my question is, if our way of life is not working, are we willing to do something else? We've all heard the, 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 the quote attributed to Albert Einstein that insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. I think that's where we're at right now. We're doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, and we expect different reser- results. So that kind of leads me then, if we want to develop close friends, my next point, you've got to do life together. You've got to do life together. There's no, other, there's no shortcuts here. We're in this instant society where we want instant results. There's no shortcut, but we've got to do life together to have close friends. And if you're here today and say, oh, I don't really have close friends, and I would say this is, uh, this is a problem for men and women, but more especially, I think men struggle with this, right? Because we don't, again, we're independent. We, we think we don't need anybody. I, I want us to look um, to see how Jesus modeled this for us. I, I want you to see the start of something pretty incredible. It's in Luke chapter five. And this is the story of Luke, uh, of Jesus calling his disciples as recorded by Luke. He says, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, Master Simon replied, we worked hard all last night. We didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear, and a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O Lord, please leave me because I'm a sinful man. For he was all struck by the number of fish they'd caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything, and they followed Jesus. The story here that happened in Capernaum, right? Right as Jesus was starting his ministry. I think sometimes mistakenly think like Jesus just walks up, never seen these guys before, and like all of a sudden, okay, guys, let's follow me. And they're like, okay, sure. And There's a little more that's happening here. As you read the, the, the gospel of John, you see that they had already interacted. They already knew each other. Um, we see they had already been around Jesus at the baptism of John, at the wedding in Cana of Galilee and, and in Judea. You can read all about this in John 1 through 4. And this was all before he called them to follow him. But now Jesus is calling them to be his followers. He's giving them a new identity. He's giving them a new mission. He's giving them a new new way of life. And he was intentional about calling him. He, he, he knew that there was only so much you could do from the outside looking in. But he knew if they were going to change the world, they needed to do life together. And he was inviting them to, to be his disciples. And when you're a disciple, it really changes everything about the way you live. It changes how you interact. It changes where you live. It changes where you stay. It changes how you think. And, and that's what we see right here. They, they left their nets. They, they followed after him. And what's interesting is these three that he called, Peter, James, and John, right? Uh, What we see um, is they were present for some of the stuff the other disciples didn't get to see. They were there. He brought only those three along when he went to Jairus' house to to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. Um, He went up on the mountain for the transfiguration. Who was there with him? Peter, James, and John. These were the three that he was closest with. Now, we see as Jesus' ministry uh, kind of happens that there was a crowd gathered around listening. And then we see that there were more people that kind of got serious. He sent out 72 uh, to do ministry. Uh, to, and then uh, he had the 12 disciples. But these three, Peter, James, and John, what we see about them is that they were connected to Jesus in a, in a unique way. Um, in Jenny Allen's book, which I think one of our life groups is doing, uh, she says this. She says, our social lives are marked by God-given limitations of energy, time, and place. Uh, we can om- only maintain basic relationships with about, with about 150 people. And within that, we can only handle about 50 people as real acquaintances. And then she says there's kind of two inner circles we can maintain, a a village of about 15 people, and our most intimate relationships are only like two to five. And that's what we see Jesus modeled for us, the exact same thing, and and, and it's true. So think about your life. Think about who's in each of these circles, right? Um, Who's in your kind of your 150? Who are those people that you're kind of in contact with that you know— that you would say you're friends, but again, you don't know many details, right? They're, They're that 150. And then think about the acquaintances. Think about the 50. The 50 people that you really, truly start to know a little bit better. And then think about the small group, the 15, that you're doing life with. These are the ones, again, that you can start picking up the phone and call at any time. They're the ones that you know that are really there. And then think about that small inner circle of two to five people. Who are those people in your life? And, and I would even challenge you, right, uh, to go home today and to, to, to take out a piece of paper and to start putting this down. Who are my who Who's that inner circle? Who are the the fifteen? who are who are the 50? Who are the people that I need to be intentional about investing and working on our relationship to to deepen it, to develop it, to to help it uh, to to help it grow. Because I'm afraid that so often we're so busy that we don't even realize that we don't have people to do life together with. And I'll just tell you as, as we go through the series, relationships, they take time and effort. They are not easy. They're not going to happen by accident. Um, in Jenny Allen's book, she talks about we need relationships that are safe, that are deep, that are protected, that are committed, that are close. And, and she goes on to describe what that looks like to, to have that shared purpose together, together, to have accountability. Do you have that person that can kind of, <laughs> that can be truthful to you? that's not afraid to challenge you when you start doing something stupid? Do you have that person in your life? right? Do you have that person that is close by? Do you have that person that is consistent? Do you have that person that is transparent with you and, 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 and truly honest? This is, this is so important. And Proverbs, another proverb that talks about friendship is Proverbs 27 verse 9. And it says, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. It's poetic language, but it's, the, the, the truth is, right, we need people who will be heartfelt with us, that, are, that care about us and we care about them. And that kind of leads me then uh, to, to my last point this morning that friendships require sacrifice. And I think this is, this is one of the things we're going to kind of dive a little bit deeper in each week of this series. Friendships aren't easy, right? It's costly to open up to build friendships. Again, we like being self-reliant. You can trace it back. You can go back and say, hey, we've talked about this before, that we're mountain people. We, don't, we like doing things on our own. You could trace it even farther back to the Industrial Revolution. When everybody started working in factories, and then uh, we kind of had this—we went from an economy that was based on bartering and trading and working with people in our community to one where we had stores and we went and bought what we needed when we needed it. Right? And so, what—and you'll see this, look, like, as you travel. I know when we do ministry in Nicaragua, it's interesting. Um is that um, you'll go to a village sometimes and it's kind of interesting to see how the village works. You have one person that will be in charge of making the tortillas and one, one house over here makes beans and, and they work together as a village. They may not have power. They may have a, a, a problem with a supply of water, but they work together to figure it out and then they kind of share responsibility and then uh, they work together as a village. We don't do that anymore. Right? What happens if we need a tool that we don't have? We go to Lowe's and we buy it. Right? What happens right when we um, we need we 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 hire someone to come do it for us if we don't have the right uh, equipment or vehicle or uh, we we've got we've gotten to the point. Uh, where everybody, and, and, and let me just be honest, marketing and, and Hollywood and TV and commercials and the internet, they feed into this. Marketers understand this. They tell you, you're not successful if you don't have everything you need. And this is what you, you need to have this and you need to buy this. And, and, and so it's kind of become a sense of status now, right? That if you don't have all this stuff that you're not successful, what, a, what a lie that Satan has fed us, Right. Instead of working together, instead of being connected, right, um, w- what, what do we do? We, we're self-reliant. We, we feel like we don't need anything or anybody. And, and so, and then on top of that, we're so busy that we isolate ourselves from close friends. We don't have time for church. We don't have time for meals. We don't have time to get involved in the lives of, of others. Can I tell you what drives all of this? And um, I want to be honest with you. I want you to think about this. What drives that idea of self-reliance and I don't need any help and uh, I'm too busy to be involved? It's all selfishness. It really comes down to pride and selfishness where we think that our life and what we do and what we are— what we have planned is more important than being inconvenienced by the people around us it it really that's kind of what it comes down to right I mean if we're honest we're like the reason we don't have good deep close friends and again it's selfishness we we, we're focused too much on ourselves what we want to do what we get to do what uh, just our desires, our wishes, and we're just focused on ourselves. Um, I read this and, I, and I'll share it with you. It says, It's impossible to invest in dozens of deep, intentional relationships. Every one of us has people in our lives whom we need and people who need us. Are we intentionally spending our time in those two categories? Or are we casually bumping up against each other with, with no real purpose to receive or to give love? If we are honest, it is costly to love people. It is easier to survive this life on the surface, brushing up against people gently rather than doing it, doing the mess of intentionally loving them. Love takes risk. Love takes forgiveness and grace. Love takes effort, time, and commitment. You commit not to bolt when it gets hard because it will get hard. And if this is the cost of deep relationships, we don't don't just have capacity and space to go deep with everyone. So we have to become intentional with a few. Exactly what we see Jesus doing. Becoming intentional with a few. And if if our goal is to become more Christ-like, this is what it looks like. Jesus tells his disciples that friendship can be so deep, so moving, right, that it can cost us our life. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. Friendship requires sacrifice. Go back to what I said earlier, who is it that you can call at 2 a.m., right? Who is that 2 a.m. friend, that, that friend you're able to call at any time, a friend that will come to your aid at moment's notice? Uh, you know, you, you'll, you'll, people will say, just let me know if you need anything, but you, you're, they're really hard to get a hold of if you need anything, right? We all have friends like that. Let me know if you need anything, and then they, they're not going to answer your call um, how far do you have that 2 a.m. friend? Do you have that person that is there for you? Do you have that person that you can count on? If you break down on the side of the road, who are you going to call? Right? This is, this is what we've got to start thinking about in our life instead of just being, going a thousand miles an hour, being so busy that we don't have time for anybody or anyone around us. And so I love what that quote said that I just read, right? That, we, we've, got, we've got people in our lives who we need and people in our lives who need us. And I would say the same thing is true, right, in church. Proverbs 17, 17 says a friend is always loyal. A brother uh, is born to help in time of need. And, and this is the, this view of friendship we have throughout Scripture. It's like we're there for each other. We have all the one another commands in the New Testament. But in the church setting specifically, right? I think so many people view church as, what can I get out of it? I'll go to church if it adds value to my life. I go to church if I'm entertained, if the music's good, if the food's good, if the coffee's good. Um, I'll go to church if it, it kind of checks all the boxes, but as soon as it doesn't, I'm gone, uh, and I'll just do something different. What if we start, what if we change the narrative? And started saying, how can I contribute instead of just consume? How can I be, who is it that needs my help? Who is it that, that I need to sacrifice for? Who is it that I need to serve? Who is it that, you know, the, the, the reality is, right, church, um, the, the church is not as effective, effective as it should be because too many people are not using their gifts for, that God has given them to serve others. That's what it comes to, I mean, the, the reality is when we come and we consume and we don't really think about how we can serve and help others, when we make it all about us, you can end up with a big church, but you're not going to end up with a deep church. You're not going to end up with a church that's all about Jesus, that's serving and, and transforming their community and their world. And so I want to challenge us a little bit. This is why friendships are so important. This is why life groups are important. This is why meeting together as the church is so important. In in the hours before his death, when Jesus gathered his disciples in John 15, he he told them, right, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does does not know what the master is doing, but now I've called you friends. And and so... uh, We look at this, right? He told them too, right before that, you are my friends if you do what I command you to do. And so I just want to challenge you today a little bit. This is kind of our opening. This is kind of uh, just our introduction to the series and to be thinking about the relationships we have in our life. But the most important relationship you need in your life is the one with Jesus Christ. And unapologetically, unashamedly, we are going to point people to Jesus. We're going to tell you about how you need Jesus. You need to put your faith and your trust in Jesus and Jesus alone to save you. The reality is when sin entered the world in Genesis 3, we were separated and isolated from God. And the only solution to that is for a sacrifice to be made, a sacrifice that we were unable to do on our own, and that's why Jesus came. He lived that perfect life that we were unable to live. He became that perfect lamb of God that took away the sin of the world. He went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And when we trust him, when we believe in him, when we follow him, when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus to save us, he saves us. And and we become adopted into the family of God. We're, we're, We're no longer a servant, but we're a friend. And so I want to challenge you today. This world is tough. This world is more divided than uh, than ever. We need Jesus and we need each other. So my first question, do you know Jesus? If you don't, then this is your opportunity. My second question is, do you really need each other? Or are you living like you can do life on your own? I'm going to ask the, the, the worship team to come back up and we're going to close this morning. But uh, I'm going to ask you guys just to pray with me. Would you bow your heads and would, you, uh, would we go to the Lord together in prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, today as we've talked about friendship, as we've looked at your word, as we've looked to the example of Jesus, would you help us to, to understand the importance of doing life together with others? Would you help us understand why uh, the church, the body of believers, the ones who've been called out of this world... Uh, would you help us to see why we need each other and how we can serve each other? Would you help us to realize that our life is not about ourselves, but it's about laying down our lives to follow Jesus and, and to serve others? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for this church and for the many ministries, for the work that's being done, for the many groups, for the many leaders. and I just pray for those that are struggling, who are feeling isolated, who are feeling alone, who are who are struggling with addiction, with depression, with whatever it is, that they 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 understand that the answer is connection. They understand that there are people here that are willing to, to love them and and walk with them and help them through their struggles. Lord, help all of us realize that we really do truly need each other. Most importantly, we need you. So right now, as we close this morning, uh, if there's anyone here, Jesus, help just, Move the hearts to to respond if there's anyone here that has not put their faith and trust in Jesus that right now right here would be the time to do it that people would be able to say Jesus I confess you are my Lord you are my Savior I want to put my trust in you I want to follow you forgive me of my sin cleanse me Lord help me to live for you if that's you this morning if that's your prayer there's no magic words it's that crying out to God acknowledging your need for him, acknowledging who he is. If that's your prayer I want you to know Jesus heard it and he saved you. If you're watching online you can get you can get saved wherever you're at right here in church, online but we want to know about it. Heavenly Father we just thank you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray this morning. Amen.